0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon. You're very welcome to Liveline. Colm O'Mungain here. Text us on 51551. WhatsApp us 087-484-8888. You can WhatsApp us from Britain and Northern Ireland on 0845-7853. Treble 3. Brendan Sinclair, good afternoon to you. How are you doing, Colm? Thanks you, for having me on. Yeah, no worries. How are you keeping today? I'm glad. Cheers. Yeah, I... Uh, I tired, but uh, other than that, thank God, I'm not suffering illness as such. All right, well, take the condition that I have. Take us back to March and tell us how you found out that you have the condition you have, which is prostate cancer. That's right, yeah. I it started off, well, it actually had nothing to do with the cancer. I had uh, skin tags on my face. Some people get them around their neck, but I had one under my left eye that grew quite large. And uh, I made an appointment with the doctor to get them removed. And while I was there, I asked them to do me bloods. Uh, I would normally get them done, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, once a year. But with, between COVID and I hadn't been feeling ill, I hadn't got them done. So, yeah, I, I asked them to do it while I was there. Right. And, and uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, do, I suppose you're 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 a relatively young man. You're. Uh, fifty years of uh, fifty years of age. So, I mean, getting regular bloods. Had you ever had anything surprising in your bloods before? No, thank God. No, I, I thank God. I've never had to spend the night or anything in hospital. Uh, you know, I was part from vitamin tablets. They're the only tablets I have to take. Right. So, what came back in the bloods that uh, that you got at the same time as going in to get your skin tag removed? Yeah. So he came back and he said that my uh, my PSA levels were high for my age and he said it could be just an infection so he said if you want to come back he said and we'll do them again in another month and he said hopefully they should be down at that stage so unfortunately we done them then in it was May then and we went in got them done and they came back higher than they were previously so that was a bit of a shock like I, I as I said I, I wasn't feeling ill uh, some of the symptoms that comes with prostate cancer, I wasn't suffering any of them. So you were so, referred on then, were you? Yes, I was sent then to, I was referred on to the hospital and from the hospital then they sent me to get an MRI just to, you know, they, they thought everything was going to be grand, but they said we'd send you for the MRI. Uh, yeah, so I was told eight weeks I would get a result and uh, ended up a little bit longer than that. Now, I did have to do a little bit of chasing and, uh, to get the MRI. Then I, I was convinced, like, the MRI would come back, you know, clear. And that's the way I felt. But I got a call to say that there was an abnormality and shading on the left side of my prostate. And... Uh, I would have to go for a biopsy. All right. So, how did you feel when you when you heard that? Because, as you say, you weren't feeling bad. You were fifty years of age, no health issues to date, and then you're told there's shading and abnormality on the left side of your prostate. What's it like when yeah. you hang up the phone after that? I'd be honest with you. It was like as though I had got a kick in the stomach. It took the it took the wind down. You know, that's at that stage. Then I thought to myself, 
I know I still haven't had the biopsy, but I definitely have. I thought I definitely had cancer at that stage. Uh, between the shading and the high PSA levels, that's that's when it hit me. And how long did you have to wait then to go in for the biopsy? Uh, the biopsy then was done in November. Uh, not a very nice experience. Uh, what's in, what's involved yeah. in that? Uh, well, you're awake for the the whole thing. You're lying on your side. There's a pretty big probe inserted, and uh, that gives you then an anesthet- local anaesthetic. Then, and there was ten samples taken from the prostate. So they would take five from each side. So uh, yeah, not not very nice. Right, and for anyone who, who who doesn't know where the prostate is, it's 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 right up the rectum, in, in in obviously a very sensitive area. So having those samples taken uh, is is obviously quite uncomfortable in the aftermath of it. But you were obviously glad seven months on from the initial flag being raised to get this biopsy done. What was the uh, what was the diagnosis then after the after the biopsy? Uh, so again, the same thing. Now I was told I'd be four weeks. And I get results, uh, but it went on a little bit longer. It was seven weeks waiting, and I'd be honest with you. Between getting the call from the MRI to getting the results of the biopsy, were probably the worst because uh, your psyche is working on you. So you know you'd you'd be waking up at night time. You would have had the best dream that somebody had rang you to say it was a mistake. Then the next night you might have another dream and it was, oh no, sorry, this. And you know, you'd be dreaming the worst. So that went on for a few months. Yeah, you got your MRI in September, was it? It's now late November by the time you've got the biopsy in in October and it's November now. So you've you've had eight weeks of this going around in your head. Yeah, uh, that was the the worst now. So yeah, on the 21st of the 11th, then I went in then to get the results and the consultation. So at that stage, when he did tell me that I had prostate cancer, it wasn't a shock to me. Uh, and I actually did, not in the first night, but after that, I've actually slept better, knowing where I am and you know what I'm facing. And relatively speaking, I mean, you've spent all of these weeks with this going around in your head, I suppose one of the first things you want to know is, is it still limited to the left side of your prostate like the MRI has shown up? What were you told by the doctor? Was it limited to that area? Has it spread? Had it spread? Were there any secondary cancers? Uh, because it's on the uh, the outside, the outside left side of my prostate, there is a possibility that it can spread. Uh, so my nerves and, you know, blood vessels will be alongside that. So... Yeah, I was told that something would have to be done fairly quick. Uh, some people may have a localised, uh, say, cancer, where it's at la- of the prostate, <clears throat> excuse me, where it's less of a risk of it spreading. But where mine is, there is that risk. And what treatment options were you given at that point? Were you told that this would involve surgery or were you given a menu of non-invasive procedures and 
you know, when you're having that chat, do they talk you through the pros and the cons of each approach? Yeah. Now, I, I was told over here, you have basically two options. At my age, there's two options. One is radiotherapy, and you went through the pros and cons of that, and then the other one is removing the prostate surgery, which is a major surgery and itself comes with other downfalls and side effects. Uh, so they were the two options that were available to me here in Ireland. Right, so the radiotherapy one um, would have, I suppose, out of the two, is, is, is the less invasive, is that they can, they can treat it inside, whereas the, the radical prostatectomy involves surgery, which can, I think, is incontinence and uh, impotence are the knock-on effect of that one. Obviously, you know, the upside yeah. being the cancer is gone, but on the other side, uh, you have to live with these conditions after the fact. That's it. And then you also have risk of blood clots and other elements related to the surgery as well because where the prostate is just over the rectum, there is, you know, possibility of damage there as well. Uh, the other thing is that once you have radiotherapy, you cannot have surgery. So you- was something I already found out going through this. Yeah, you can't have surgery after having a radiotherapy. Now, you did hear of another option, but it's not I available did. here. I did, yeah. I was, I was advised by the consultant uh, to look into this and see what I could do. It's it's called uh, HIFU. That stands and, for uh, High Intensity Focused Ultrasound for, for Prostate Cancer. For anyone who doesn't know about it it's uh it uses high frequency sound waves this is according to uh, cancer research in the uk from a haifu machine and the machine gives off sound waves which use a strong beam of sound waves to heat up and destroy prostate cancer cells yeah yeah so it's it's you know it's minimally invasive uh the only thing is like that because it's not available uh, it will come at a cost. How much? You have to go and get a private. I was on and I was told it would be between twenty to twenty-five thousand. And I mean, when you were hearing about HIFU, this high-intensity focused ultra, ultrasound, and the the, men, the menu of options was was being laid out to you, what, what did you think when you heard about HIFU as a, as a potential option? Well. Yes, you know, 100%. I think I, I've done what research I can into it as well. Like, and, uh, It is standard in England now and it's standard in a lot of European countries. Um, you know, it's... It, it, take, for example, right, if we go through the, uh, the prostate surgery, removing it, you're looking at about two months out of work. Uh, you will need, you know, somebody to help care for you afterwards. Uh, it's a major surgery, like I was told, you wouldn't be allowed to lift more than a litre of milk after having that surgery where the high food treatment is, you'd be back in work within a week. Right, it's a, it's a three-hour day procedure they put in, so they, they, they insert a catheter and they drain your bladder and then they also administer an enema and then they 
uh, to, to clear out your bowel and then they insert a probe, this HIFU probe up the rectum, which can give them a reading of where the cancer is and also administer this high intensity sound wave. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, it's it's a it's a reputable. I'm just reading the the guys in St Thomas's trust in the uh, in in the NHS. There, it's 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 if the prostate cancer is localized or locally advanced, so spread outside the outer layer of the prostate, but not to other parts of the body, and metastatic, so that the cancer has moved outside the prostate and into the bloodstream and might uh, affect other organs. That's what that's what the the prostate can be. But it says you know your surgeon in the UK. This is would discuss what type of tumor you have, and it's suitable if uh, if you have a, the more localized version, which so far for you is where it is. Is it? Yes. There's uh, there's different levels that they rate the prostate cancer at, and uh, mine has been classed as a Gleason seven three four. And um, yeah, be around that sort of thing that they will be. This treatment is is recommended for. All right. Now we did ask the Department of Health for a statement on you know whether or not HIFU was offered in Ireland or whether there's any plans to offer it. Now they didn't directly address that. They just said a, a recent study found that prostate cancer patients can be treated with 75 percent fewer radiation therapy sessions, including close surveillance treatments such as stereotactic ablative radiotherapy and brachytherapy. The current treatment options for low-risk prostate cancer includes close surveillance treatment, including stereotactic ablative radiotherapy, also known as SABRE, and brachytherapy. Are either of those suitable for you or would they have greater risks of, uh, of side effects than, than HIFU, according to the consultant you dealt with? Yeah, no, they wouldn't be suitable for me, according to my consultant. Uh and that's why I did actually. I have emailed some of the government departments myself, like, you know, to get some clearance on this. And I've only had uh, one reply back uh, to say, like, somebody will be in touch with me. But, uh, like, even the, you know, the, as I say, it's a standard treatment abroad, standard treatment in Europe. And, you know, it can make you feel like a second class citizen that this isn't being made available now. There's this treatment abroad scheme. And uh, I am applying for that as well, but I've been told because there's other options here available that I wouldn't be in line for. Uh, which I think, you know, it's, I would say it's a standard, it's, it's a, you know, a less invasive treatment. I think the likes of this should be made available to people right. in Ireland. Now, obviously, look, you, you first had the concern raised uh, in March. We're not quite a year on from that, but, you know, that's it, it, it's approaching that. And it says, and this is again according to the guys in St. Thomas's Trust in the NHS in the UK, so a reputable source for information on this. It says, HIFU is not an option if your cancer has spread outside your prostate to other parts of your body. But it can sometimes be given as part of a, a clinical trial and then it, it, it refers to the other options as well. So your, your concern is that, you know, the time factor and, and the potential spread that in, in the period you would spend trying to raise the money for this, that yeah. you may become unsuitable for it, is it? Well, it's, it's basically the consultant has told me that uh, if I don't 
managed to get the, the phones for this treatment, then by the end of February, I will have that my prostate renewed. All right. Just hang on there, Brendan, because uh, Philip Philip has called in again. Philip, uh, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Colin. How are you? You're listening to Brendan there, and you know you've been through this and and been yeah. through treatment and indeed surgery. Not high food, but was it? It was the full prostatectomy, was it? Yeah. So, listening to Brendan there, it's great to hear you you talking about it in general. But um, yeah, I was diagnosed. Um, when I was 39, um, 39 years old, and then I had my prostate removed probably when I was just turned 40, 41. Um, did I, it, did like it just Brendan, come up with a blood test? It did, yeah. Um, so uh, the symptoms I was having, Colin, were um, I was having trouble emptying my bladder. So when you know I, I couldn't when you'd go to the toilet it felt like you, you weren't empty in property, and then I would the frequency increased and I was probably getting up maybe twice a night sometimes three times a night and look at my wife uh, like everything else she she made the appointment I think for me to go and um, see my GP and in fairness Doctor Arthur Dolan and Richard his son um, they were my GPs in in, in Mohol. Uh, they quickly they done a, an examination and look it were very reassuring and just referred me on to Dr. Jeremy Morn in St. Vincent's he was reassuring he done an examination um, and then he just said look for just to, you know to be sure that there's nothing going on here we'll, we'll do a biopsy and we'll do an MRI and like that when when it came back um uh, there was a shadow um, uh, on the on the prostate, and I think my Gleason score was was uh, a seven, so similar to, to Brendan's. My only option was to have um, have my prostate removed. Um, I don't think there was I don't think there was anything else open to me, from what I can remember. Um, and do you mind me yeah, asking yeah. if that you know if if the options that were open to you were they dictated at all by the level of health insurance cover you had or by what the you know what the the, the surgeon's advice was? Well, I went by the surgeon's advice. Um, as I said, Dermot Morn was my surgeon right. in St Vincent's, and he was excellent. And he referred me to. He, he wanted me to have another opinion um, of a, a lady. I can't remember her name. Escapes me. She works in in uh, UCHG in Galway. So I went and um, I, I seen her, and they both, you know, the the report from the two of them was was um, the same. Just you you have to have it removed, given my age. Um, and I actually had a second biopsy because I was diagnosed at the start of COVID, and everything in the healthcare was, you know, things were upside down in the world. So they they left me for a short while, and then I, I had another biopsy. If I remember correctly, and. I suppose the cancer had progressed a little bit. They could they could um, compare one to the other. So then, um, yeah, I really had no option. Yeah, it it it, it I suppose it accelerated the the process and it accelerated my thinking as well. Because I, I wasn't like uh, it's not an easy one for for men because you hear of all this, the side effects and. And, and that, and I was a relatively young man, and you, you, you're you're led to believe it's an old man's disease. But um, what I would say is, 
um, to people out there, you know, don't keep your head in the sand. If you have symptoms, go see your GP. Like I, after I had the surgery, yes, I had I had bladder incontinence, erectile dysfunction, all of that stuff for a while, but that's all corrected itself. Um, really? You know, it has. And um, now I've worked hard. I've worked very hard on exercises and I kept myself in, in good shape. Um, and you what, know, what kind of exercises around, do you do? I mean, I know, you know, some women after uh, childbirth well, have to do a lot of, you yeah, know, pel- lot of pelvic Kegel floor and, exercises and yeah, that kind of thing. Is it similar? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kegel exercises and pelvic floor exercises. But I even, I done a lot of those before before I went in for surgery, I went to see my physio, Barry Mollison in Longford. He done out a program for me and I was in, probably was in the, physically the best shape I could have been going in for surgery. And what are Kegel then, exercises? They're like pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> uh, any woman that maybe has gone through childbirth to tell you better, but like, it's like, I suppose, squeezing, if you were, if you were, if you can imagine yourself going to the toilet and stopping yourself mid-flow uh, it's like squeezing and releasing uh, you, you know so it's kind of it, it builds up all those muscles in your pelvic floor and strengthens them alright so but then uh, you, by, by then, the way I'd say to you both I mean thanks very much for coming on air both to, to Brendan and to you Philip that uh, we're plenty of calls coming in so you're clearly touching a chord with, with listeners out there mm-hmm. who, are, who are glad you're raising this first and foremost and are keen to share their own experiences um, of yeah. this. So yeah. part of your preparation for, for, for surgery, Philip, was getting yourself as close to peak physical condition as possible to help yeah. with your recovery afterwards, was it? Yeah, absolutely. And afterwards then, like I I couldn't walk. My wife and children got, got, uh, they got me a little dog for after after surgery to, I suppose, to entice me to go start doing a bit of walking and I had incontinence for, I can remember walking down, I couldn't walk 100 metres but like the pad would be wet. Um, uh, like you, you, you can, you can let yourself get into a dark place if, if, you know, if yeah. you don't, you have to have the mindset, you have to be strong to, to, I suppose to push through that, and you do get better. Um, and I, I right. kept well, the, going. The, the price going. of pads probably doesn't help. I think it's about fifteen no. quid for a packet of, for a packet <laughs> yeah. of eight or ten of them. So you're talking about yeah, I mean, it's it, the bills build up. I actually yeah. seen some on sale just before Christmas, and I bought them. Oh, you saw? You, uh, you, did you the snap pads. them up at a bargain rate? I, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think some yeah. of the bigger supermarkets have got better. I think you can you can pick up packets of them for yeah. for maybe as low as ten, but you're pretty much in double figures for a packet of them. I think. Yeah, yeah, but look, it doesn't it it doesn't it does get better if you keep doing the exercises. I started then going back into jogging and running, and I, I ran the Dublin City Marathon there in October, and I've no urinary incontinence, none of the none of the side effects. I am as close to, you know. What I, I uh, what I was, you might have the odd time if you're under very a lot of strain. You might have, you know, an accident, very you know, slight leakage, but very very rarely. You okay. know, it's, um I, I just want to go. You've been through the surgery, Philip Brendan. You're looking for this high in, intensity ultrasound focused therapy uh, that's not currently available in Ireland, but you've been told it's suitable for you. But Anthony Scott in Wicklow, good afternoon to you. How you doing? Can you hear me okay? I can indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, Colin, yeah. I tell you, I when I, I was diagnosed at 55 years of age, 
and um, thank God I had a great doctor who, who, who spotted it. I went into St. Luke's and, or sorry, St. Vincent's and was checked over and discovered I did have prostate and cancer. And what were your symptoms before that, Anthony? Because Philip there was talking about, you know, being up several times in the night and having to go Absolutely. to the toilet a lot. Yeah, and if I was travelling at all, I'd be in a sweat because I didn't know whether I'd make it to a toilet in time or anything in a car. And I had to have a little bottle in the car just in case, you know. And um, what happened to me was um, I was given another option. And what I was given was a thing called brachiotherapy. Now, the brachiotherapy um, you have to be suitable for. Thank God I was. And what they basically do is they inject radioactive seeds into you, they check the size of the prostate and then gauge the amount of radioactive seeds that are necessary. And um, I have never looked back after it. It's been brilliant. And what, it was, now, was it localised in your case, Anthony? It, it, well, when you say localised, I don't, I don't know. It's right. just as I say, I was told they had prostate cancer. That was it. And I was, going to, I was given the options of having it removed um, or, it's, as they say, uh, uh, um, having brachiotherapy done. But I had to be measured up for it. And it, thank God it turned out OK for me. And I haven't looked back. And my confidence has come back. I can drive a good bit in the car and I don't have to stop now because after it, what does happen, you do get into a phase where you're starting to panic is it going to happen again but my confidence did come back afterwards so I can drive for a good distance now right. and as I say it's it a different form of range anxiety that people have with electric cars it's uh, it's it's bladder range anxiety <laughs> you're getting in that situation yeah, yeah. But it's just they wanted to let people know that that option is there. Now, I was told at the time, whether it be true or not, I don't know, that brachiotherapy was initially a very expensive procedure and on the top level of, I think it was the VHI had it, but nobody else had. But with the strain on the system, it then it was made available to everybody else. But if people are suitable uh, for that, it's a much better option than having to have an operation or whatever else. But again, as I say, you have to be suitable where I was and it has made a lot of difference, you know. What gave you right? Why did you go to the doctor in the first place? I mean, you said you were you were fifty five years of age when you were diagnosed. So was it a regular course of blood tests, or was there something giving you particular concern that made you look for the doctor uh, to check you out? No, what happened to me was um, I. I went to the doctor and he said, look, you're 50 years of age. I'm going to start giving you blood tests now, regular blood tests. And what showed up was a high cholesterol level. And that's what started this. So my cholesterol was being watched. And he did everything. He says, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to check everything. And it came up in that test because he did every blood for liver function, everything else, and checked the prostate. So that's the reason it came up. All right. So from from 50 years of age, you were, you know, get, getting these cholesterol tests and then that was being monitored on an ongoing basis to see whether it was um, up yeah. or down for, for the likes of statins or, or whatever. Absolutely. I'm not going to go into yeah. any other yeah. prescription yeah. You, you, you might or might not have been on. But that's how it, how it was turned up. There was no specific symptom. Um, like Philip was talking about there of regularly going to the toilet or anything. Oh, absolutely. Doing that oh, all the what? time. OK. Yeah. And that's why I got a little concerned. Um, but I didn't, I didn't attribute it to prostate cancer. I just thought, look, it's an age thing, whatever else. But I said, look, I'm going for the bloods anyway. And uh, he'll obviously check that, and, uh, which he did do. And that's, that's what came up. And the brachytherapy, so, Anthony, um, did, was, what was the knock-on effect of it? I mean, afterwards, what was the recovery from it like? And were there any noticeable side effects thereafter? 
the only I, I call it side effect is, is tiredness because if you're having radiation done I now I could be wrong but I think it's like five days on two days off or whatever but this is in my system emitting without stopping for 14 months okay. so it's regularly emitting uh, uh, radiation into my body to break down the, the, the cancer cells but in fairness it's worked so that's it, it, it was well worth the uh, having it done you know and it was for me I felt a better option and did you, there was no, was there any effect on, you know, urinary continence or even, you know, bowel movements or erectile function or anything like that? Well, erectile function comes with the problem, unfortunately. That is it, no matter what happens with, 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 with uh, prostate. That's, that's it, you know, that is part and parcel of it. But, but um, it was more, uh, as I say, I was more worried about the health aspect. Right. You know, that's that's the thing. Sure, yeah, I mean, on, on balance, you're obviously keen to get to get rid of the cancer and that. But, I mean, I suppose dealing with that after the fact, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the knock-on effect of it, once you're kind of, the relief has cleared, is there a bit of a mental part to coping with the, the side effects of the brachytherapy afterwards, the erectile function or whatever else? What what do you kind of have to do to to frame that in your own head to, to, to work through it? I, I, I've, I've never kind of looked back in that respect. I've always said, look, your health is your wealth and, and, and you get on with your life and that's what you have to do because the other option, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd, I'd rather be here today and, and, and literally be happy than, than, you know, go down the other route. So there was no option for me. So I take it in that as a positive, you know. All right. Well, we're going to stay. take it as a positive. We're just going to take a short break. We're going to stay on this. We'll be back in a minute. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Colm O'Mungoyne here. You can text us 51551. You can WhatsApp us on 087 484 8888 or from Northern Ireland 0845 753 333. Um, Leo, Leo, calling us from Clonmel. How are you keeping? No, I'm not calling from Clamell. I'm calling from Dublin. You're calling from Dublin. Originally from Clamell. Originally from Clamell. Originally from Clamell. Yeah, yeah, originally, many many moons ago. No, I I just listened there. I've uh, just come in the show there, and um, I went and had a, a third option done, which uh, probably nobody has discussed. I've had my uh, prostate cancer uh, cured, and I still have a healthy prostate. Now I achieved that by going to Germany, where I had a thing called nano knife surgery done. Which pinpointed, which was based on having an endorectal MRI, uh, which pinpointed exactly where the cancer was located, and uh, I had a two-hour operation whereby uh, most of the cells were eliminated using a nano knife, and the adjacent potentially cancerous cells were also uh, cured by uh, a concurrent kind of uh, radiation therapy. Right. So the whole a, the, operation just lasted two hours. All right. Well, take take us into it from the start, uh, Leo. Do you well, mind? Do, do when, you mind when, telling when, me? Do you mind telling us how, how what your first cause of concern were? Were you getting well, regular well, blood my, tests? My, my, yeah, yeah. My first cause of concern was exactly as your previous speaker was talking about, kind of, you know, get urgency to urinate, and uh, I then went to the doctor. I was assured that, uh, you know, my PSA was okay and the doctor stuck his finger up my bum and said everything was nice and smooth, bloody blah. So I said I'd like to get an MRI. Now, the MRI, uh, uh, it was in my own insistence that I got the MRI and the MRI did show up something suspicious. So I had a, a biopsy and that confirmed that I had actually got a quite an aggressive form of prostate cancer, but that was still inside the prostate. 
Now, I then did a little bit of research myself and I came across this place in Offenbach near Frankfurt in Germany that was offering this um, this non-invasive surgery because all I was offered was prostatectomy or radiation therapy, either using that brachiotherapy that the previous speaker spoke about or the one that went over 35 days, the blast of radiotherapy every day. And I didn't, I didn't like those options. No. And... <clears throat> The other thing was that I feel the system here is lacking a little bit in that, you know, in the MRI, they just do a pelvic MRI, which really can miss things because it does the whole pelvic thing, where the endorectal-derived MRI, you basically have a coil that's stuck up your bum that's right up against the prostate and reveals the prostate in all its glory. So can I ask so, you, Leo, when you, yeah. you you had the check with the doctor, the doctor put on the glove, put his finger up your bum, checked it out, told you your prostate felt fine. You were still yeah. having the urinary urgency issues. I was still, so you having, want, I was still having those, yeah. So, yeah. so, so you went so, so further. Do you mind me asking, when, when you were offered particular options, how did you end up going researching what was a, a, a did you know specifically about the treatment abroad fund or what, well, what led you down the road you went down? Well, as regards the urgency, I mean, I'd read that sometimes they can, you know, often men suffer from tops, which is, you know, they often suffer from prostate enlargement, which quite can, can be can be cured by an operation called top, whereby they eliminate some of the prostate. So when I was actually having the biopsy, when they saw something suspicious and said, oh, look, we have to go in and take out some cells, I asked them if they could do this top operation, which relieved my uh, urinary urgency. Now, as regards it, then when they when the diagnosis came back and I was told I had this, um, I think it was a, a Gleason number nine, and you know an aggressive form of prostate cancer. That um, uh, and when I say aggressive, well, as 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 my knowledge later informed me, you know that even though it might be labelled aggressive, it still is not a kind of a, a huge danger unless until and and it does break out through the prostate. Now. Um, so and did I you have a timeline on that, Leo? I, mean, did I you, had did a timeline because the the man who the you know I, my my the urologist who was who would have done the prostatectomy, he then referred me to see the radiologist, and they were going to decide between them what they would the approach they would offer me, and between both of them, they offered me the radiation therapy, and the the radiation consultant wanted to start straight away. He was. He literally did want to start straight away, so I just didn't fancy that idea of coming in every day. Oh, why not, Leo? Because you know, radiation has sequels. I mean, I, you know, my own medical knowledge teaches me that radiation has sequels, and if anything had ever happened there, they couldn't operate on there again. You know, makes it inoperable. You know, because of the the way the radiation affects. Do, do you come from a medical body. background yourself, Leo? I do. I'm a dental. I'm a dental surgeon myself. You know, for over fifty years. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, yeah. you, you obviously you you were starting with a good head start when you went down the road of looking at I this. I was, yeah, I was, yeah, and and I knew and I knew how to research. Well, I did, you know, well the research thing wasn't it wasn't it didn't take a huge amount of detective work. I just put in prostate, and I came up with this clinic in Germany called Vitus Prostata, and um, you know it was offering this nano knife, uh, you know, minimalist, minimally invasive surgery. Fetus prostata. What's that? The, the living prostate. That, that's, the na- that's, the, that's the name of the. That's it. There was. Called, that's the name of the company. Vetus right. prostata. Okay. So yeah. t- talk yeah. us through the journey of. So so you find this clinic in Offenbach that's offering this yeah, nano knife surgery. 
Uh, yeah, and and they want then all these various tests. They also want my uh, you know my my MRI scan, which they found you know which they were doing. Say you know it, it, it did inform them somewhat, but it was very inaccurate that they wanted me, literally you know to get this endorectal derived MRI. And did they so do I that, or did you source that in Ireland? No, 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 no. Uh, they, 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 they were able to ascertain that that was done. When I went to Germany, uh, they had it. They, I went to Germany. I said the sixth of June, twenty twenty-two. Um, you know, on that, that was a Monday. I had my uh, MRI. I had my indirect derived MRI. Then that confirmed that my that my uh, cancer was uh, eminently operable on. I went in. I had my operation done on the sixth of uh, on the on the eighth of June, twenty twenty-two. And then I went back then, I had to go back there then on the September, you know, three months later, again to have the endorectal MRI done. And, uh, you know, we discussed that immediately afterwards. And I could not get, I could not, I could have, if they had such a a system here whereby I could have got that endorectal MRI, I wouldn't have needed to go to Germany, but it wasn't available here. So I went back and... I have the pictures there. I took a video of it, which I can send on to you. But basically, they were discussing the pictures as they come in, and the whole, the cancer had all totally been eliminated. By you must have been hugely relieved in the first instance when they told you oh, that it was, was operable. Of, 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 of course, I was. Yes. And do you mind telling how long did it take between the time you know you first discovered uh, the clinic in Offenbach and when you actually got there? Uh, you know, you had to. Uh, well, you, did you do direct contact with them, or did you do it through the I health did, service I here? Did direct con- I did direct contact with them, and they wanted a whole series of tests, which I managed to get done here. Apart from getting that endorectal MRI, the normal MRI from here, the pelvic MRI that's only available here, was not of sufficient accuracy. No, you know, they don't really need it here because they're not. The, you know, the surgery offered here is of a kind of a gross. You know what they do here. It doesn't need that precision, but I I feel myself that you know the uh, the pelvic MRI could miss because of uh, various anatomical structures. It could actually miss the uh, pre- presence of cancer. You know, so right. I, I I can't understand why that is at the very least is not available here to really to really precisely determine if there's any pathological changes in 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 the uh, in the uh, in the pelvic tissue. So what's on the yeah. cards for you Leo? Do you, are you going to have to keep going back to Offenbach for the no, endorectal well, MRI to make sure you're all clear or would you you know would you trust a pelvic one here uh, at this stage or have, you know No no well no I I'll just keep it you know I mean I, I was told it was all clear I'll just keep getting my uh, regular annual PSA if there's any changes in that then I might get suspicious again. But uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if there's no change in the PSA, although I know the PSA is not hugely informative, but I mean, if there was some kind of changes in that, then I might start to get worried again. And you're feeling good? I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling grand, yeah. And any after effects, side effects post uh, well, post nano knife surgery? There was side effects. I mean, you know, in terms of um, in terms of leaky bladder and that kind of stuff for a while uh, it's getting better and better all the time you know but uh, there was some there was side effects all right in that uh, regard but 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 not a lot Gar- yeah. Gary good afternoon to you you're you're listening to this um I am yeah good afternoon to you um listen I wanted to just highlight the importance of, of guys checking and, in, and certainly in my case 
my father at 82 years of age died of prostate cancer. Uh, he knew there was something wrong, but he didn't tell us till it was too late. He was a fit man and it got him. Uh, I have two other brothers and um, we then became very conscious of being, being actively checking or getting our PSAs done. And then about five years ago, my brother in Australia uh, went for his PSA and it was quite high. And um, they did, they sent him on for a specialist, they did a check and they did um, the physical exam. But because his cancer was on the inside where they physically couldn't feel it, um, it, it was missed that way. But they what, what age was he, whatever. Gary? He was about 50. Right. And he had successful um, uh, prostatectomy surgery and everything is back to normal now. So I was continually, and I'm now 60, I'm the younger one, um, he's, he's older than me now because it moves on, um, I w- was continually going to my GP and I told my GP that my brother now had it and she said, well, your PSA is only about two. She look, we'll send you on to a specialist to have a check. So sent me on to a specialist. So this is the importance of hereditary. And he said, well, do you know what we'll do? He says, we're going to send you for an MRI and see what happened. So the MRI came back and it was, it was a bit vague, but he said, you know what we'll do? We'll go on and we'll do um, some um, biopsies. So they did the biopsies and <laughs> they took 14 biopsies or 15 biopsies and 14 of them were fine, but the last one wasn't. So the long, st- story, the long story is that I'm now being actively monitored because I have low-risk pro- prostate cancer. I'm not in any danger, but I'm being actively monitored. And it's really important that I want to get through to people is the hereditary end of things. Right, and th- that's that's the red flag in your case. You're not noticing anything physically symptomatic, I, are you? It's it's, nothing, it's the family risk. Nothing. nothing, right. It's the family risk. Absolutely no. And I nothing, no, no energy levels, no extra going to the toilet, no, nothing. you know, erectile function affected, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. The only th- reason that we, both myself and my brothers, went to do this is because my father had it. Now, some of his older brothers, my father's oldest brothers, had it as well, but the, the specialist tells us they're not interested in uncles. It's father, brother is, is where the danger zone is, so to speak. All right, so that'll just be monitored on an ongoing basis, and if, if, it, if it tips into something else, you'll be, I'm monor- you'll I'm be, monitored you'll be offered... Roughly- yeah, and have you I'm looked at your treatment them. options, what your preference has been? Because we were talking to Brendan there at the top. He's investigating the possibility of getting a, a minimally invasive procedure in the UK. I think he's, he's, his intention is to, to fundraise for this at the moment. But yeah. from what you've heard from, from, from our other callers, um, well, I, well, be, what are your things thoughts? Are pretty, things are moving pretty fast. In, in, in the surgery stakes. But I did think, I discussed with my wife way back, if I've ever raised a ducky head with me, <laughs> I'd just whip it out and okay. go with it. All right. Uh, but, but if there's something, uh, by the time, hopefully it'll never happen, I'm told I could be like this for life. And it may, it may never go any more than just very low risk. And you can stay like that. And so much so, well, I'm getting older now. So the, the closer I get to 70, he says, if you go on to your late 60s, he says, I'd, I'd nearly even not want to see you again. All right. And do the treatment options change the older you get, have you heard? Or mm, I don't honestly know. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm just in the stage of 
act, being actively monitored and not in any danger. Well, it doesn't play on your mind at all the fact that this is this is there. You don't treat it like a ticking time bomb. You're just glad to, to be under surveillance. I'm glad I knew, I'm glad I knew about it. I'm, I'm glad I knew to watch for it. I, think, I, I would rather be proactive and catch something. All right. Well, look, thanks very much, Gary. We're back. We have a few other people calling in about right. this and their own experience. But we're back after this. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. 5155 for your texts. Call them up on going here. You can get us on WhatsApp 087 484 8888 or if you're uh, WhatsApping from the north 08457 Derek, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon. You, uh, we were we were uh, speaking there before the break to uh, several people, but um, you have been through prostate cancer because we we began uh, our program today with Brendan Sinclair, who is looking yeah. for a non-invasive form of of treatment for the limited prostate cancer he had. But you you have gone for I suppose the most invasive uh, form of uh, not not that it was a choice on your part. That was what was needed. Is it? Yeah. Well, it was, um, what happened was I'd been checking the um, my PSA with my doctor. Uh, he sent me to a consultant and I um, I had a biopsy um, and it turned out that I had, uh, I was suitable for some sort of treatment. So I went and spoke with a surgeon about having a radical prostatectomy and he then said to me, look, you, you should look at the other options and he sent me on to the beacon because um, I had private insurance um, and I looked at um, the radiation um, but decided that it, like a belt and braces approach that I'd rather have the radical prostatectomy and then if something did go wrong it was outside that I could have the radiation um, at a later date but this was 2010 so the options at that stage weren't um, weren't probably as numerous Um there was I could have gone to I think Galway there was um, a surgeon there I think doing um, keyhole surgery on it but the one thing about that was that it was relatively new in Ireland so I wasn't willing to take the risk on it at that stage Right and could you feel the effects at that stage or was this did this just come up as a result of a routine blood test detecting a raised PSA level and then an examination no, it, it was it was the raised um, the raised PSA, but I did find that I was going to the loo um, a few times during the night, um, um, which doesn't happen now, thank God. Uh, but um, it was just um, it was those things combined. But I mean, I was seeing a consultant about it for probably about maybe nine months or so, and he just he was you know looking at PSAs. Uh, PSA blood tests that I had and um, he said look what concerned him in the end was the fact that um, it the, the PSA figure jumped uh, rather than was too high um, but I'm, I mean I'm still taking I'm still getting PSA tests on a yearly basis uh, and I'm still in touch with my, the consultant who did the surgery uh, but the PSA PSAs are basically zero. It sounds like a, a very tough experience, Derek, because clearly you were extremely worried about the worst case scenario that made you opt for the most radical option on the table. 
Yeah, no, that would be true. And I, it, it wasn't easy. I mean, I'd, I'd was, uh, I had a catheter for, for a while um, and I did have leakage for, um, you know, maybe a, maybe a year or two years afterwards. I, I still had the odd, the odd occasion. Um, and mentally, it wasn't it wasn't great because you know it it brings brings forward your mortality as it were. But um, I was confident in the surgeon who'd done it. And when I went back to him um, a month after it was done, he said uh, the great thing that look it was contained within the prostate. And how have the uh, PSA was, levels been since? Well, the PSAs are negligible. Like I have them done on a yearly basis. Um, my own doctor's surgery and send them on to my consultant and we have a discussion now on the phone rather than meeting and um, they're, they're basically zero. They're under 0.3, I think, something like that. Right. And how are you feeling generally? Um, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. I've, I've no issues at all with that and I've, it's something I consider to be in the past and um, hope it'll remain that way. I think my surgeon will be in touch with me for, I think, 15 years after so I've a couple more years to go and then I'm sort of let loose and that's it. Right and what but about I mean, the mental side of things the confidence you know are, I mean do you still have to take precautions about the continence end of things in terms of wearing a pad or wearing pants or that kind of thing or no. is that that all 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 returned to normal? No Colin I mean that, that to be fair I mean that the pads were gone within oh I can't remember probably maybe six months or something like that I would occasionally um, have you know have a have an issue, but very very occasionally. Right. Um, but um, it was something you know. I mean, the pads I used for a while. Then I found I didn't need them. And but is I, there anything you, I was lucky? Is there anything you have to avoid? I mean, does does your do you have to go to a urologist? Do they advise you to maybe drink less liquids, avoid alcohol? You know, is there anything in the aftermath that that, that you're advised to do in terms of a lifestyle change? Uh, no, not particularly. The, the only thing that I probably did was I started taking more exercise. Um, just it, it made me more conscious of um, of looking after myself a bit better. Right. But no, there was no there were no other issues that I that I had to had to look after. So would you say physically are you fitter now than you were? Yes, yeah, right. I am. <laughs> right, so you're, you're you're never probably going to argue that it was the making of you, but at the same time. Um, you're you're uh, yeah. a new lease of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, um, I mean it was something um, that while I had it, um, while I, while I knew that I there was a chance of having the prostate, uh, you know, uh, prostate cancer, I was you know it, it did prey on my my mind. But no, um, it's something that is in the is in the past. All right. Um, and um, I don't worry about it anymore. And I mean, if anyone. I actually went and and spoke with someone local who'd had the prostatectomy, um, and he reassured me before I went. You, you'd advise um, that, would you, if you can find somebody who's been through it to to yeah, have, have th- a chat th- and th- walk through it with them. Yeah, I would, but I, I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of sit down and say to someone, "You you must go for the radical prostatectomy," um, because you're know, different people. Um, it, it, it may affect people differently, and um, you know the the um, uh, having you know looking after hot you're just keeping uh, keeping an eye on it, or having the seed, the brachytherapy, or um, 
you know, I mean, that may suit different people. Right. So I wouldn't try and persuade someone not to do what they want to do. What, and what, what, what age were you yourself, Derek, when, when you got it done? Um, 59. 59, okay, so still, so yeah, I probably knew, uh, Yeah, I probably knew about it from the age of maybe 57 or 58. Okay, well, long life and good health to you, Derek. It's it's good to hear you're, you you're in good form. Anthony, uh, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Colin. Uh, you... I've, I've been through similar experiences to other people. Tell us about your experience with surgery and the knock-on effects. Yeah, uh, I was 50. So it was uh, when I went to the doctor, uh, you know, because as the previous speaker says, I was passing water just, you know, a bit too often going to the toilet. And I went up to the doctor in March, uh, and it's only a couple of months after my mum had passed away from lung cancer. And I told the doctor, so what he done was he took the bloods and he checked my PSA. Uh, he says, come back. And the results come away back. I went back to him. He says, they're a little bit high, but we'll leave it for three months. He says, come back up to me and we'll do them again. And, and did we'll he give you a again. physical exam as well? Yeah, oh, yes. He, yeah. Yes. He, did. he laid me up and he checked me prostate. He says, it was in, you know, it was enlarged. And, you know, so I was a bit, you know, for three months, you know, waiting for to go back and do it again. I was nervous, just like I'm now talking to you. But uh, when I went back, we done the bloods again. When the bloods came back, he says, they'd rose a little bit, small again, he says. I think we'll uh, uh, send you for uh, further examination to uh, the University College uh, Hospital in Galway. And, and that's where I went. And what form did that take? Was that an MRI or a biopsy or both? A biopsy. I went away down. I had the biopsy uh, about two months later. I went down, had the biopsy. I uh, went in. Uh, when the results came back, I went away back down to see the surgeon, the, the the man who I thought was going to do my surgery with my partner and brought us into the room and he says that I had uh, prostate cancer. And I would require, he taught me that which I could go for having the surgery, having the radiotherapy, and as one of your speakers says, have this uh, put in that it's there for 14 months. To the brachytherapy, years, yeah. You know, yes, exactly. So, and I just asked him the questions. Uh, naturally, he asked us, he says, are you thinking of having any more kids? But listen, our kids are growing up and our, we have grandchildren now, you know, so there were, it was nothing like that. And I says, no. And I asked him, I says, if you do the surgery, are you taking the cancer away? That's all I wanted was the cancer away because both my parents passed away with cancer. You know, so... So uh, surgery was the road you went down? That's the, I went down the, the, the road of surgery. I had it done. Uh, in total, it took from when I went first, it was nearly something like 15 months to get me onto the table. So 15 months, you know, because I, I had no uh, private health insurance I was under a public, uh, and when it happened, uh, I got a new surgeon, you know, a lady, absolutely 100%. Couldn't thank this woman enough. It was just fantastic. And from having the surgery every six months since I've left the hospital, I get a phone call. So I do. I go away and I do my bloods, and I bring them back. And please God and thank God, they have been... 0.1 to 0.3, that's all I need to see. 
on my blood and everything is 100% in that respect with me, with me process. And, a hu- you know, huge relief, no doubt. And you, 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 because, you know, I was going through, I was still grieving my mum, you know, and then me, you know, having us, you know, to, you know, I'm with my partner then, you know, so I was in a new relationship of only about, you know, a year and a half and, you know, so it's asking right. a lot, you know. And obviously, so, look, you, the, 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 the doctor had asked you if you planned on, on, on having any children, which is, you know, it's a question broadly about yeah. your intimate relationship with your partner. But, but in your case, there has been uh, an effect on, on your erectile function. Can, can you tell us about that? Can indeed is that there is, like my surgeon told me that uh, she saved uh, around 50% of the nerve endings, you know, for me, you know, so which... You know, sometimes I get some feelings, sometimes I just don't want uh, to give me Viagra to take, you know, to stimulate all the nerve endings, but it's, you know, nothing really, you know, is doing what, you know, what used to be there. Now, she's, she has told me, you know, that this is, you know, it's 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 the end of that, but it's not the end of, you know, having a an intimate relationship. She's told me other things that I could do and to think about this, you know, about pumps, you know, to use a pump to, after the, with the Viagra. And if that wasn't working, well, then we're, we're looking at going down another surgery. Another and, possible surgery. And I mean, is, are, are these treatments widely available? And you've tried, you have some uh, feeling there, which is obviously important yeah. uh, on, on the intimacy front. But in terms of, of yeah. getting an erection, Viagra works to some degree, but not fully. Is that what you're saying? No, absolutely. Even, uh, I'd say it, it wouldn't even be 50%. It'd be, you know, 20%, you know, so and I how, haven't really... How, how does a pump work? Uh, it's, you know, you use the pump. Yeah, yeah. I've never done this before. And actually, sure. once I put the pump on and you start pumping it and the whole lot there, and there's, it's sort of enlarges your penis to a certain extent and there's there's rings there that comes with it and you're meant to put it over and it it's meant to hold it holds it holds the blood in the penis you put it at the base of the penis is it and then it just holds the blood in the penis and it holds it there but it's for me it's you know it wasn't for me it wasn't for me you know it just it just didn't do it for me you know and I was thinking I was thinking you know I'm in my mind, you know, I'm a failure now to the, my new relationship, you know, it was starting to get to me. So I went away and went down the other route there that I would go and see another surgeon uh, in Bowman. And I did. And I went and I had, it was before Christmas, not Christmas gone, Christmas last year. And he was 100% that he wanted to do this for me and get me back. You know, he says, go home, think about it. Now, I know it's 12 months down the road, but going through another surgery is... You know, it's, it's a lot to it's think about. And it's a lot to think about. And as I says, new relationship at the time. Now we're seven years, you know what I mean, like together. And she's 100% behind me, you know, whatever I do. And are there risks, Anthony? Because, you know, if you're having invasive surgery on your penis and you've already, you know, 50% of the nerves have been saved. Is yeah. there any risk from having? Is it a penile implant you're you're looking it at? It is to, indeed. I, I meant, yeah, it is. It's a penile implant with a pump, and there's a solution inside. And when you know, it's when you're going to have intimate relations uh, with your with your partner, 
you go to the pump and you pump the solution in which enlarges your penis and it stays there until you're finished and it's uh, you know a release button as well you just press it and the fluid it's probably something that I'd probably have to get changed in about 10 to 10 to 12 to 13 years time and is this available through the public health system Anthony yes would you believe it yes it was yes and I'm on the public health is there a waiting list uh, I couldn't really tell you to be right. truthful, but he was the, the the surgeon was all about doing me in the next month or two. But then I was waiting on further surgery because since my prostate, I'm after having an incision hernia, and I was waiting on getting that surgery. That because oh, I nice. had the robotic surgery. I had robotic surgery in Galway, so I did, and that uh, left me me uh, me you know the wall, the fat, the lining, and all that. They're susceptible to hernias. So, and I've just had the the hernia operation yes. there a couple of months ago. So I had. God, you've, 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 you've been through the mill. Listen, we're going to take a short. We'll just stay on the line there, Anthony, because we want to hear more about this. Right. Just stay on the line. We'll be back in a sec. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Colin Mungo in here, 51551 for your text, joe at rte.ie for your emails. We're talking to Anthony, who's been through the um, prostate surgery and the surgeon managed to save 50% of the sensation in his penis. He's, uh, it can be a very common side effect that erectile function is severely affected by this kind of surgery. But Anthony has kindly come on to tell us about his experience of it and what the options are for him to continue uh, intimate relations and have an active sex life after this, despite the fact, as we say, his uh, his erectile function has been affected by, by the surgery. So he's, he's in line for uh, a penile implant a surgery at the moment, but it's been delayed, Anthony, you were telling us, by complications with uh, w- with regard to a hernia. So when are you likely to get the all clear for the uh, for the path to the penile implant surgery to be to be opened up to you? Well, it was me. I had to. Uh, uh, it was me to go home, get my head around having the penile implant, and I knew that. I was going to have this hernia, so I, it's, it's on me that I put the implant surgery off until I had the hernia and get up and to recover from this. So now all I have to do is just to ring back up, have a talk with the surgeon, and hopefully, please God, if I go down that road, see, it's it's huge to go way back down because this will be me, probably me third, fourth, fourth operation, like you know, so. The body, uh, I'm sure, can only take so much. But it's it, it's this is more about my well-being, my head, bringing me back to some sort of reality. You know that I'm still, I'm still, a, you know, a functioning male. You know, if I can put it that way. Yeah, sure. You and know, how important is though, how important that is, well, for is that to you for your own morale? And it, as you say, you're in a new relationship. Huge. Yeah, well, I'm seven years now with my with, with my partner. Like you know, I met her just before that, so it was a lot of you know, for her to take on, you know, so that, you know, that part of our relationship, you know, has been for the last four or five years non-existent. And I must uh, say that it is non-existent, like, you know, so, and it's, even if she doesn't tell me, it's, I'm always thinking that I'm, you know, that I'm failing her in that respect, you know. 
I'm it's, sure. I, as as you say, it's she, something that I, you know, yeah, sorry. No, you, she said you said she went for the, you know, for the the early consultations with you. So she sounds like yeah. she's she's a great support, and that sense you have of failure on your end is not coming from her. Oh, absolutely not. Not never once, never once has she uh, has she ever ever you know uh, you know turned around and made me feel like I've been a failure. No, it's that's this is all in my head because I just want to be the the person, you know, especially at the ages that we are now, you know, that this is, as I say, a new relationship there. I want this to be the relationship that carries us on through the rest of our life. Like, you know what I mean? I so just don't want anything to come. You're being supported barrier. for going. It's it's oh, more support 100%. rather than being pushed towards this penile implant surgery. No, I was never pushed. This is me looking down that road. As I said, I know of a good friend of mine, which naturally I will not uh, mention anything. Sure. But that has went that has went down that, uh, and I have had many, numerous talks with him. So I have, and he's given me glowing reports after it. You know, he says uh, painful at first, but since that's all gone, he hasn't looked back. Which which must have been tremendous yeah. to have somebody that you could. I mean, look, it's probably tremendous for somebody who's out there listening in on this at the moment, who may have been affected or at the, you know at a far earlier stage of a prostate diagnosis mm-hmm. than than you were back when you first got yours. But it's probably tremendous to have somebody like that you can talk to and and hear about their experience. Is it? Absolutely, and it's it's all about opening up as well. You know, to say us men, you know, we don't open up like, but. Uh, I suppose since reality kicked in, you know, about my vulnerabilities and the whole lot there that I've, I've always opened up, you know, so I can ring him and he's and he can turn around and he's so open and he'll tell me exactly, you know, what I want to hear and what I don't want to hear, you know, he tells me anyways, because there has to be, you know, it, it's sore, it's, 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 it's a road that you have, you know, if you're going to go down that, you, you know, it's going to be 12 months of, but... At the, the outcome is 100% for him anyways. So that's for me to take into my head, get back to the surgeon and say, listen, I'm ready to go if you're ready to go. And that'll be something that I have to do now in probably the next few weeks. Like, All right. And the, the penile implant, is that used in conjunction yeah. with Viagra or is, is it does it replace it? Is it kind of used on its own? Like, does, it, does Viagra increase the no, sensation? No, I don't think so. No, okay. I think it's uh, this is you know I won't be you no. Know, they actually have never said that to me, but I can by listening to what the surgeon says, uh, I won't be using any more medication. It's this pump is there, and you press as I says, there's it's just under your skin, and it lets this fluid flow into uh, your penis, and it gives you an erection, and you know when you're finished. You press the button and it, it releases the solution. However, it, it releases it again. And this, but it's it's an operation that probably will have to be repeated probably ten to fifteen years down. But at that stage, uh, ten to fifteen years, you know, we're, we're close to seventy, anyways. You know, if not seventy. Sure, you know, you, you, would, you wouldn't you wouldn't know what kind of a model or what kind of technology will be out at that stage. So it's uh, treated as an upgrade, yeah. maybe. Well, yeah. Look, uh, it was the same. Uh, I was there, you know, with the pump, he, and he told me, actually, he told me, keep using the pump before you come to uh, to have the surgery, because he need, you know, because when you have prostate uh, cancer and you have the surgery, 
even my surgeon told me, you lose two to three inches on your length of your penis. Now, that is... All right. That is a very hard thing to take, you know, as a as a man, you know, after the surgery because it is it's complete, especially when there's there's no function in there. So it, is it? It's it's. I'm 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 sure you 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 were told about it, but look, I, I, you're not a surgeon, yeah. so I don't expect to know. How uh, how how how, do, how does how is the length lost, or is is it just because? The, um, no blood. It, I suppose the blood and all this is that I have no, uh, I've nothing flowing through right. that makes it, you know. So that's all I can uh, explain. And I know the prostate was, you know, sits where it sits, and that was that was removed, you know. So I, yeah, as you said, I'm not a surgeon really, but she, I, she did tell me. My surgeon did tell me. Says, you know, it was two to three inches, you know, after the surgery. Right. which I had no problem, I, you know, I have no problem, you know, cancer is gone, that's the main thing, you know, my health is my wealth, you know, I have, as I say, I have kids and I have grandchildren, and I, they're more important to me than, you know, than anything, but my partner is more important to me as well, you know, so for us to have that, so my next option is, you know, in a few weeks to get back in contact with my, uh, with the surgeon in the Bowman Hospital, and please God, you know, we can move forward with the the surgery. Brilliant. Well, I mean, I, 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 I wish you all the best with it. You might hang on because there could be people just between now and the end of the programme. But I, I, we may not have the time to take an answer from you. But you just hang on with us to the end because we have to take one short break. And we want to get to to another couple of calls if we can before the end. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Colm O'Mungan here, 51551 for your text. Just to let you know, I, by way of apology, before we reach the end of the programme, I'm only going to get to about one more caller for everybody who called in, for people we couldn't get to, for people who are so willing to come in and share their stories and their thoughts and their experiences of prostate cancer, the diagnosis, the treatment they've been through. A lot of people were just not going to be able to get to today, but may well be back to next week. So, um, Chris, in the limited time we have available, you're, you talk about this, you try and raise awareness on construction sites, is it? Hi, Colm. Yeah, listen, um, great to hear the topic being raised on a national level. Yeah, look, I, w- I work in construction and, and quite regularly I do toolbox talks on the sites um, with the guys there and just talk about my own experiences and just raise the uh, the issue of getting regular PSA tests done and just to kind of take the mystery out of it and get people talking. And it's surprising how many people come back to you afterwards and say my dad had it or my brother has it or whatever. It is quite common. It's a lot more common than people realise and PSA tests are probably the first line of defence to, to see if something's going on. And you're talking so about your, your own that. experience. You've been through this. I have, yeah. I was diagnosed in 2015 uh, with prostate cancer and basically just to fast forward it, it was kind of, I had a, a decent score of 3 plus 3 which is kind of middle of the road but you still can't ignore it so I ended up going for a radical prostatectomy in Leipzig in Germany um, with robotic surgery which was less invasive All right, and uh, that has worked out really well for me Chris best of luck with the toolbox talks I'm afraid we're out of time and fair play to you for raising the awareness of it we really appreciate your call today and again apologies to anyone we didn't get to today it's a subject that may well be returned to next week on sound today was Mark McGrath broadcast coordinator was Shane Galvin producer was Annette Egan and next up it's Ray Darcy
0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.